0: Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name to Abraham and to his offspring forever, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Good morning. <laughs> like Sam said, we are we are going home tomorrow, and. Um, we had such a wonderful time with you as a community. We loved it. it was a refreshing time for us. We rested well, we were loved, and we've built so many new friendships, and we strengthened relationships that we've already had for nearly two decades, and so thank you so much for your hospitality and for the love and kindness that you show towards Carolyn and myself. And I thought it would be good for Carolyn to, to say something this morning. So I'm just going to ask her to come and say.
2: Okay, this time I'm feeling better. Sorry for the first, the first service, but uh, second service, you don't have tears. All right. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to thank everybody um, a special thanks to Sam and Sua for inviting us and preparing our mm-hmm. time here. We love you so much. Mm-hmm. Maybe you will get tears. Yeah, we've really been so blessed by our relationships with you all. And getting to know, there's so many new folk, but to getting to know you. It's really been a pleasure. Your generosity to us as a couple, a family, and your hands at work is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But we appreciate it. We will commit to continue to pray for you all as individuals making up the body of this church, Wellspring. So with that, I wanted to give you two scriptures that I felt um, to share with you. And the one comes from 1 John 4, verses 18 and 19, and it reads as follows. <clears throat> there is no fear in love, but, in perfect, but perfect love drives, drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. We love because he first loved us. And the second scripture comes from Matthew 6. And, um, oopsie daisy. Let me find Matthew 6. All right, here it is. It's Matthew 6 and it's verses um, 19 to 21. And it reads as follows. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and venom destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and venom do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there, your heart will be also. So remember, love overcomes all fear. And remember, treasure heaven because that's where your heart should be. Thank you.
1: Amen. Thank you. She speaks so well, doesn't she? Thank you, Ga. Well, this, this morning, my prayer is that our time together in God's Word will, will kind of launch us and propel us, every one of us, into a specific direction during this Advent. And that would be truly, truly, I mean, truly draw us closer to Jesus. But I want to go further and I want to trust God definitely for my own life. And I want to have a liberty to trust Him for each one of you. That not only will you be stirred up to go deeper on your own. Because I'm just going to scratch the surface. To go deeper on your own to see Jesus. But I want to pray that each one of us will have a much deeper understanding of the incredible incredible privilege mystery power that there is that christ is in us it's something that we do not contemplate consider or speak about enough and that is the miracle and i want to speak about that this morning so really this morning i want to stir our hearts up to get there and i want to set the stage from the beginning we're not going to turn there I'm going to give you some scriptures and I'm going to speak a bit about it but I want you to go there on your own I want to go to set the stage I want to go to Matthew 1 and from verse 1 to 17 where Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus and I want to give you a few facts about that because later on as we speak it's going to make more sense And one of the very unusual things that we read in these few verses is that Matthew actually refers to five women in the genealogy of Jesus, which is highly unusual. In fact, it even gets more unusual that it's not only five women that he refers to, but three of them, the majority of these women were Gentiles. And you have to put that in context to understand the fact that they were Gentiles, they were unclean. They were not allowed to go into the temple. I mean, we wouldn't have allowed them to come through the front door. And to add to this, all three of these women, Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth, carried all these baggage with them. Tamar was of incest. We know Rahab was a prostitute. And of course, Ruth was a refugee. That's part of the bloodline. <laughs> and then, of course, then we all take a, a big breath of relief because we see the name of David. Hallelujah for David. I mean, David the blue eyed boy, right? Uh, the A plus boy, the boy that always keep the name high. I mean David wasn't he the guy that took down Goliath, cut his head off. but again, Matthew nearly spitefully kind to it looks like he's got a axe to grind with David, and he used these words and he say, David, the father of Solomon whose mother has been Uriah's wife. It's like, serious? Do you have to bring that up in a family meeting? Do you have to remind us of Uncle David? What he did? I mean, we want to remember him as a guy who killed Goliath. Can, Can Matthew have the audacity to speak about David and Solomon, who was Uriah's wife? In fact, it goes further. I never knew this. I actually dug it out this week as I was working on this. In 1 Chronicles 11.41, we see that Moriah was one of David's mighty men. Moriah was one of the guys that surrounded David, literally. And they said, we'll die before anybody gets to David. David, I pledge my life to you. I'll die for you. And David said, thanks, I'll take your wife. Not only that, but I will plan that you'll get killed. That's the real David. So, you know what the truth is this morning? When we look at the genealogy of Jesus, our family is like, I can only think of one word, scandalous. It's a kind of topic that none of us want to talk about steering away from it whenever it gets closer so tell me about your family it's nice weather let's talk about something else because this is scandalous and yet God carefully planned and knitted this genealogy together he allowed it he planned it because he wanted to make sure please please hear this you want to make sure that you and I from day one understand we put nothing on the table we've got nothing filthy rags is the best thing we can bring everything is the grace of God and what we bring is nothing you know this is in huge contrast. This is counterculture. For us today, brothers and sisters, let's just be honest and talk about that. This does not fit in with a culture where we live in right now, where we reward results, where we say we acknowledge only the very best. When we've got to choose a new pastor, when you've got to bring that person in, when we've got to, it's only the very best. Got to have a short list. Make sure. What's a category? What's a bloodline? What's an education? And yet, when we look at the bloodline that Jesus came from, only one word can be used. Scandalous. So, I'm giving you this this as setting the stage. Now I want to take us... Through chapter 1 in Luke. And again, we're going to run through it, and I want you to really, with me during Advent, this is where I want us to dig in so that we can be propelled into that direction of understanding the genuine message of Jesus. We spoke a lot about it in our retreat that it is not just what Jesus said, but it's how Jesus lived, it's how he chose, who did he choose. How did he do that? It matters as much as what he said, because he brought the message to us. And this morning, I want us to look at Luke 1. And so we're going to look at where the angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias and Elizabeth and made this beautiful promise to them. And then we're going to look at uh, the angel appearing to Mary, and then Mary visiting Elizabeth, and then Mary's song. And then I'm going to give an application. I'm going to give a a story about my own personal life. I'm not going to talk about hands today. I'm going to become a bit vulnerable to you and tell me about my life. So I want to push because I know your roast is in the oven, right? So we see that Gabriel came to Zechariah and he came to Elizabeth. Now we read... uh, It's very important. We read in Luke 1 verse 6 that the Bible described both of them as righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all commandments and statutes of the Lord. So we know right from the beginning, even as we look at this, we know that God is not looking for the most powerful, the most popular, the most famous. He's looking for ordinary people that are prepared to walk it out day by day, minute by minute, stay faithful, stay focused, and walking it out. We also note, that even though, God regarded them highly, even though, their lives were so exemplary, it was no guarantee of life's blessings. Zechariah and Elizabeth had a tough, tough life. Not to have a child was a social disgrace in that time. They faced huge pressure. Personally and as a couple. Doesn't matter how much they tried and how much they prayed. It seemed like God did not open Elizabeth's womb. And we read that well in advance in years. So this thing carried on. And nothing happened. Yet the Bible says they continually to be faithful. And then that once in a lifetime, straw came to Zechariah and he could go to serve at the temple. And there he met Gabriel. And the promises made to him. And Gabriel said to him, I mean really, Gabriel said to him, in verse 13, your prayer has been heard. I'm sure Rick I must have said, like serious, after 30 years, my prayer has been heard? Like I'm 65 or 69, or, my prayer has been heard? Again, Luke emphasized, do not connect time to prayer. Walk it out. We know, (laughs) Lazarus, Lord, you've been four days late. It stinks. We can't open. That beautiful song that says, even when he's four days late, he's still on time. And so, it must have seemed like impossible to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Why do you come now? Are you just opening up all our wounds again? Are you just reminding of us that we're never going to have children? You promised it to us now. And there is that promise that God gave Zechariah and Elizabeth. But here's the wonderful thing about that. God made a promise that He's going to give him a son. But... Through their faithful walk and trusting God, at the right time, the sun came. But here's a principle. It's not just for them. God doesn't bless us just for ourselves. It doesn't work like that. When you wait, when you stand, when you wait for something, know that when it comes, it's going to have much bigger ramifications than you can ever imagine. And so God said, yes, I'm going to give you a son, but I'm going to bring Israel to me because of him. I'm going to draw people to me. He's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Just hear these wonderful words. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in a spirit and power of elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the lord a people prepared you know can you just i just want to take a second can you just imagine Zechariah, who knew god's word very well who understood the prophets who knew the messiah was coming who must have felt like giving up a million times But they hanged in, he stayed faithful, even at his old age, when he was allowed to go and serve in a temple, he did it. And suddenly, the answer came. The answer came, but he thought, if I can just have a son, and he can grow up, and he can become a farmer. But God said, man, you walked it out, you trusted, it's going to be much bigger than that. Zechariah, you often wondered, who was going to be the one who's going to prepare the way for the Lord? It's going to be your son it's going to be your son so from zechariah gabriel went straight to mary was <laughs> he was busy but you know the interesting thing is that when zechariah went to, uh, when Gabriel went to Zechariah, he met Zechariah at the center of the Jewish world, in the temple. There was only a veil door between Zechariah and the very glory of God. He met him at the epic center where everybody would expect the big things to happen, the Messiah to be born. Everybody thought this is the most amazing place where all the educated people and the high profile people are going. But God only created, allowed the son that will prepare the way for the Messiah to be spoken about there. After that, Gabriel left Jerusalem. He left the Mount Temple. He left all these places. <laughs> I love it. He went to Nazareth. Insignificant. Despised. Unclean. You think of John 146, where Nathaniel speaks about Nazareth, he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Do you know that hillbilly place? where the guys are playing. Okay, now I'm pushing. I'm sorry. I don't mean it like that. I actually love that music. Okay, so I'm sorry. Forgive me. But, But you know what I'm trying to say. Okay? It's that place that we don't believe anything can happen. That's where the angel went. That's where he met. A a lady, a young virgin, pledged to be married, who had nothing to put on the table. Once again, no claim to worthy status. No, all she could give was a position of loneliness. And she was chosen to be in the center of the salvation story. Have you thought about that? The Bible calls her blessed and highly favored. But again we saw that she was going to be blessed so that salvation could come to millions of people. You know, like Elizabeth, Mary's circumstances even after the blessing was spoken over her, was not exactly a bed of roses. She was between 12 and 16. She became pregnant. She had to face up with Joseph. I mean, she had to face up with her parents. Even when Jesus was born, in in Africa, surely it would be like that. Children, you don't play there. That boy, we don't even know who his father is. Shame that she faced. At a young age, at the oldest, most probably in her mid-forties, she saw her son, total miscarriage of justice, falsely accused, abused. The very people that loved him ran away. And there he was on his own, nailed against the cross, cursed, blood coming out of him. She stood there. This is what it means to be blessed. Then she went to the tomb. And you know, I'm sure she even had mixed feelings when she saw the empty tomb. And and a while later she saw her son leaving. What does it all mean? How does it fit for her? Highly favored and blessed. But Mary chose to believe God, that He was going to do something big in and through her. And she said these beautiful words Let it be with me as you have said. Total surrender. And then Mary went straight from there after she faced off with Joseph. And then she went to go and visit um, Elizabeth. I think it was about a 70-mile journey. She went to go and visit Elizabeth. And she went to Elizabeth. And she greeted Elizabeth. And then Elizabeth responded with these words in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard these greetings... Of Mary, The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greetings came to my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I just want to touch on this. You've got to go deep here, okay? In your own time. But you know, the baby, baby, living, leaped in her womb. Sacred life. You ever want to talk about babies? Sacred life, filled with the Holy Spirit. And in fact... Isn't this beautiful? The first person that ever recognized the Messiah was her unborn baby. An unborn child. And Mary with her words, this is the mother of my Lord. She declared Jesus for the first time. The words she declared, Jesus is the Lord. Now, we've got to note something here that's very important. Mary went to Elizabeth. Mary greeted Elizabeth in, in that culture and very much in your culture. Okay, The small guy go to the big guy. The small guy greets the big guy. Am I right? The small guy makes appointments to meet the big guy, right? This was the beginning Of the Messianic kingdom. This was the first declaration that say, guys, that is Antichrist. That's a spirit of pride that comes from Lucifer. That big man syndrome dies now while this baby is about to give birth. This is new. In this kingdom, the big guy goes to the small guy. And I want to stir you up and challenge you, your Christianity, your, your DNA, your thinking as you celebrate this Christmas. Do you understand and embrace and live out? Let the big guy bow the knee and serve how Jesus redefined greatness on the last night when he wrapped the towel around his waist and he washed the feet of the disciples. And yeah, Mary went to go to Elizabeth, completely the wrong way around. It's a massive application in our lives. This is huge information for how we love. Christ in me. Now let me explain to you. Mary, not that I I mean I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to explain. let me just share with you. Mary. Her blessing was not dependent on who she was or who she was going to become. Like it's very outspoken, for example, the Catholic Church. It's got nothing to do with who she was or who she was going to become. Mary was blessed because the Savior was in her physically. But we know that same promise was made to each one of us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. We know, we spoke about it in a retreat, that mystical union where I am in Christ and Christ is in me. So if Mary was blessed and Mary was walking this journey out because Christ was in her, Can I ask you about your life? Is Christ in you? What does it mean? You know, the last thing I want to say about this, and then I want to just tell you something, is, isn't it incredible that Elizabeth then showered Mary with words of praise? And speak all the beautiful words over her and her child. This came from a simple country. <laughs> country living lady who lived in simplicity with her husband. Mrs. Nobody. Who was just godly. Who lived in the hills. in Far away from Jerusalem and the mountain. It wasn't from... Capital. It wasn't in a temple. It wasn't a prestigious event where a high priest blessed Mary. It was a simple couple that were just walking it out godly before God. Holy livings every day. They, they had the privilege to speak the first blessings over the Messiah. So I told you that. The fact that Mary was blessed because Jesus was in her have a huge implication in our lives. And I was wrestling with this, if I should share this story, but I want to share the story. And I know our time is most properly running, but I want to share this story with you. In June this year, 6 o'clock, one Sunday morning, I got a phone call. Um, actually, we had visitors that came to see me. From Australia, Canada, Germany, England. They arrived a Saturday night. The Sunday morning, 6 o'clock, I got a phone call. That my sister was critically ill in Cape Town. And 10 o'clock that morning, I was on a plane flying to Cape Town. And I want to tell you, my sister, whose name is Anita. Was a very broken woman. Very broken. I led her to the Lord on her husband's funeral. But. Because of her brokenness, there was a big relationship break between her and her child, her daughter, her only child, Angeline. And as I flew to the airport to rush to go and to get my sister, Angeline was also flying to the airport and we landed at the same time. And Angeline hadn't spoken to me for years because she classified me in a certain category and so she wouldn't connect with me. But there the door opened. I met her at the airport and I said to her, come, let's jump in an Uber. Uh, I was introduced into Uber yeah years ago. So we've got Ubers in South Africa also now. And there we jumped in an Uber and we went to the hospital. Now, I know my sister was in a coma at that stage and I knew enough to understand that my sister was now dying. And so I tried to prepare Angeline. And so when we got to my sister... Angeline stopped about from here to Sam from my sister and she couldn't get closer to her. So I said to Angeline, I'll stay at the hospital with you as long as you want to stay here, but you've got to come closer. Now, my sister is in a coma. And so I took Angeline's hand. I said, Come with me. And I walked her to her mother and we sat down next to my sister. And I picked up my sister's hand with no drips, nothing. They gave her nothing anymore. Three days, no liquid because she was dying. Where she stayed was called short stay. That's where you go to die. And I held my sister's hand and I said to Angeline, speak to your mother. And she struggled because there was so much pain and brokenness. But she said, Hi mom, this is Angeline. And the tears started running out of my sister's eyes. And Angeline jumped back. She said, I thought she's in a coma. I said, she is in a coma. But God is opening the door. Come and sit here. And after they sat, I even walked away and I gave her time and I said, speak. From there, Angelina and I went home, and we were in this little rustic I don't know if you can call it a car, but it was like, and, and it was pitch dark in Cape Town, power failure, and I was driving, and Angeline just thought it was hilarious to watch me. I don't know why, but she started laughing and relaxing, and we started talking, and before long, for the first time, Angeline opened up to me. And I could explain to her how she experienced trauma during her childhood life, and how she needs Jesus. And for the first time, George wasn't this Christian there, but there was something that she could hear and receive. And for the next few days, Angeline and I would travel for an hour to hospital and late at night back, and we would talk deep because she will feel free and every time she sat with her mother and she held her hand, the tears came but God was not finished yet He wanted more always when God bless it influenced many people and so there was a young lady who was uh, in a mid city 31 I think her name is Rooster she was a Muslim girl and she was also dying I actually one night watched how the specialist came He spoke to her family, and they all cried and cried, and he left. And she also had no drip, nothing anymore. And I went to there, and they said the doctor told them that she's dying now. They can do nothing. But you know what happened from the next morning? I'm just telling you exactly what happened. Every time I walked past this girl's bed, she shot up she will open her eyes and look at me and then she will go and lie down again and then she's gone and her mother came to me and she said can you see every time you walk past rusta wakes up i said i saw it she said will you come and pray for her i said ma'am i'm a christian she said i know you're a christian (laughs) We were we were like going full out there with my sister. She said, "I know you're a Christian." I said, "When I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus." She said, "Come." And I went and I put my hands on Rushta, and I spoke over her and I said, "Rushta, I pray over you in the name of Jesus." And I did something which I never would have done normally. I said to her, "I pray in Jesus' name. You." will walk out of this ward. Guys, the doctors wrote her off. It was over. I felt so bad when I did this. I thought, how can I do that to the mother? The next morning I met the father and I spoke to him and I said, I'm so sorry. You know, I just want you to know I believe in miracles. And I did something again, which I never do. I took his number and his name. It's in my phone. Six o'clock the next morning, I walk into that hospital. I walk past Rooster. She shot up. And this time she spoke to me. And Jeline stood right next to me. And she spoke and she said to me, I'm thirsty. I just stood there like, what am I doing? I ran to the nurse's station. I said to the nurses, can you give me a syringe? I want to push water down Rooster's mouth. That nurse said to me, you will kill her if you will drown her. She's in a coma. She's dying. I said, to well, her, but I just spoke to her. The nurse went like this. She said, you stay away from her. So I took the syringe and I went and I gave her water. Guys, she started talking to me. like She talked to me. Angeline, standing with eyes to speak, she, she phones my brother. She said, you must come and see what's happening here. I phoned that man that morning. hopper six in the morning. I phoned him from the hospital. I said to him, sir, I'm the man that spoke to you yesterday. I'm here at the hospital. I think you should come. And he started weeping. He said to me, he thought Rushda died. And he said, why must I come? And I said, your daughter just spoke to me. Like 20 minutes later, he was there with the Iman, all of them, the whole gang. They were all, like 10 Muslims came there. Guys, I'm telling you exactly the details now. The nurses, this is in Africa, this is how we do it. The nurses were dancing and singing. The next thing I saw, here comes a delegation of doctors with a specialist who worked on my sister also. And he went there, and he went like this, and he tasted, shook his head, he walked away. At that stage, Rushta sat there. She said to her mother, I want Coke. Two hours later, I'm sitting with my sister and Angeline. And Angeline said to me, Uncle George, look behind you. And I looked behind me, and all the Muslims are sitting there. Like I'm, I'm telling you, it's you know, <laughs> Angeline, it was her last day with her mother there. I knew her mum was dying, and she Angeline had to leave. When the Muslims heard that she was leaving, they came and they formed a circle around her and they held her. And they And flew home. Before the plane landed, I sat with my sister. I spoke Psalm 23 over her. And a hospice registered nurse stood behind me. And as I spoke Psalm 23 over my sister, she started breathing slower and slower. She just passed away. And this registered nurse said to me, I've been doing this work for years. I've never seen anybody die so peacefully. Because God reconciled her with a daughter. You see, that's our ministry. But he thinks even bigger man. Rushta. <laughs> Rushta got healed. You know, I phoned her father. Actually, on my sister's funeral, I phoned her father. I said, I'm praying for Rushta. He said, George, you won't believe it. We thank God. This child is healed. He said, remember, I prayed for her. So as I walked out, I took my sister's body. I left the ward. I just couldn't stop thanking God. People from everywhere, all the people in the ward. One guy was a prisoner. He was chained to his bed. Called me, please, pastor, pastor, come and pray for her. Blessed everybody, walked out of the ward, and it's like God spoke so clear to me. And He said to me, You are not finished. I thought, what? This is a perfect ending. I turned around and I looked back, and there was a young African doctor that treated me very, very badly that whole week. I'm sure she had a bad experience with a white person. I'm sure she got good reason. But she treated me like really bad. And she sat there behind the desk. And I turned around and I went back to her. And I leaned over the counter and I said, Ma'am, I just want to thank you so much for caring for my sister so well and for allowing me to be here. And I will never forget, she had a pen in her hand and a pen just fell out of her hand. And the TSS came as she looked at me, and I saw the Spirit of God falling over this woman. Christ in me. the hope of glory. Sunday morning, six o'clock. George, I know you've got a big meeting. I know people came from all over the world. Are you prepared to walk away and trust me? Go to an obscure place. Go to your sister, the black sheep of the family who caused so much pain to your parents, who brought so much shame on the family. You go. I'll do something beautiful. You know what i love about mary is that she sang a song before the outcome she sang a song of worship before there was results but you see she could say in luke 1 i am the lord's servant total submission may I ask this morning is the lord a consultant Or a comfortable support to you? Or is he the Lord? Total submission. Do you understand that God wants to bless you? To be a channel of blessings to many, many other people. The Bible says that people will know that John was from God. Because he will turn the hearts of the people to God. The fathers to the children. When people watch your life, do they know that you are from God? Do you turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers? You know, there was no time for me to prepare for Cape Town. There was no time for me to think of something nice. I had to grab a bag, run to the airport. At the airport, I heard Angeline was coming. My stomach was going like this. I can't even tell you about the mess, about my brother and everything. It was chaos. I left a week later after we buried my sister. And as much pain as it was, I remember the tears running out of our eyes because she reconciled. I remember the peaceful way she died. I remember Angelina discovering Jesus as we speak now. And Rusta has been healed. And the Muslims know that there is power in the name of Jesus. That life is for each one of us. Each one of us. This has got nothing to do with orphans, with Africa, with hands. This is when Christ dwells in us. This is what must happen. If we don't believe in miracles, how can we even say we believe that Christ is in us? The one, the one who caused the greatest miracle ever to take you from where you were to the kingdom. How dare we even think there cannot be miracles? Rusta's things must happen daily among us. May God bless us. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you care. You care about Rushdie. You care about Rafai. You care about Angeline. You care about Anita. You care about me. (laughs) Like like Mary, I I lived in the hilltops. I was, uh, (laughs) yeah, even my cultural background, it's laughable. It's despised. But that's who you choose. And I pray that all of us will experience that. That we will know that you love us. And you love to use the weakest people. To do the greatest things. You use people in a temple. To prepare the way for the people who live in the hills. The insignificant. The unclean. Each one of us this morning as we heard the word. And we've got. Hurt in our hearts or we feel convicted or we feel challenged. May the grace, grace, grace that fell upon Mary and upon Elizabeth. May that grace be upon you today. That you will be healed as Shrestha was healed. That you will discover Jesus again as Angelina is discovering him right now. And like the doctor, that your eyes will be filled with tears and you will remember. Maybe when I spoke to that doctor, maybe she remembered her grandmother praying over her. In Jesus' name I bless you. Amen.